Welcome to Ink in Your Veins. I'm your host, Rachel Heron. In this podcast, I talk to authors about the best things they've learned about writing so we can try those things too. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 413 of Ink in Your Veins. I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm here today with you with Helen B. Scheurer, who has been on the show before. This is her second time here, and you're going to love this. We are talking about launching series. Really, we're talking about launching books, period. And she gave me something that blew my mind and changed my mind about doing launches. So please stick around for that. That is coming up. It's always a delight to talk to her. What is going on around here? Um, I've just been doing a lot of revision. The uh, Seven Miracles is due to my uh, editor next week. So hopefully by this time next week, it will be off my desk. And if it isn't, uh, there's going to be a problem. So hopefully by the next time you hear my voice, that will be done. I have been enjoying using my old pal pacemaker to keep me on top of things. If you if you don't track your words when you are working toward a goal, I recommend trying any kind of tracking because what we track, we do. This has been proven. And I really like Pacemaker. It is a paid program, but I think that there's a free level if you just have one project and it does a lot of math for you. And as I keep slipping behind... I keep having to pull from my buffer days, which I always build into deadlines. And now I'm out of buffer days, but that's okay. I usually run out of buffer days by the week before the book is due because usually I want a week of buffer and I never have it because I need to use those days. But last week, um, I have healed well from my <laughs> training injury, my weight training injury. Uh, the muscle relaxants helped and in a couple of days I felt better and now I'm just being very careful. I told my uh, physical trainer, personal trainer, to not challenge me very much because I will do it. I'll do whatever she says and I will end up hurting myself. So she knows that about me now. And um, what else has been going on? I've been doing that. I'm getting ready to pre-launch the Kickstarter for Unstuck, which is my memoir about moving from the United States, about leaving the United States, selling everything we own and moving to New Zealand. It's called Unstuck, an audacious hunt for home and happiness. And I'm saying it right here, right now because I haven't launched it yet. I have not launched the pre, I haven't hit the pre-launch button. And if I say it here now, right now, and this goes live tomorrow, I would like you to go be able to click on that. So rachelheron.com slash unstuck, rachelheron.com slash unstuck. If you're sitting at your desk, please roll over to that and type it in. It'll take you to the Kickstarter pre-launch page. You don't have to do anything except hit the button that says, I'd like to hear about this when this is available, when this launches. I am not launching the Kickstarter. I still have to edit all the audio and I want to have the edit. I want to have everything done and lined up before I do the actual Kickstarter itself. That is important for me. I want to be able to fulfill really rapidly after it funds, which is you don't have to do, but I would prefer to do that. But the pre-launch is super important because then you will hear about it. And if this is something you have been interested in following, interested in knowing more about, there's a beautiful paperback and a beautiful hardcover of it. I'm also going to be putting up some very cool things that which you will not be able to see on the pre-launch page, but you'll be the first to know about it. And these will be capped. I'm going to be doing some one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions some bundles of my books and some other really cool stuff. 
uh, plus the audiobook, of course. Uh, so you will want to know when it launches, right? Please come over and punch the pre-launch button. I would really love that. And I'm glad I'm saying this because now I'm going to actually make it live this afternoon. And uh, now my heart is beating rapidly, but I'm really proud of this book. So that would be great. Rachelhand.com slash unstuck. I had to think about it for a second. I think I'm struggling with a tiny bit of a head cold, um, but I tested. It's not COVID. I just need to get a little bit more sleep because honestly, I've been doing so many fun things. It's summer here and in summer, everybody does everything. Apparently winter, we hibernate in Wellington. But in summer, like this is a Thursday that I'm talking to you. And I was out at a beautiful dinner until after 11 last night. And I go to bed at 8 or 8.30. And we were at a fancy restaurant with friends. And it was fantastic. And and, uh, and I'm tired. And, uh, And this morning, I will just tell you this too. This is a secret. So don't tell anybody except anybody who is listening. Uh, But this morning, um, after that late night, I had to get up early because I was recording with Sasha Black because our next episode of The Black Heron will be coming out at the end of this month to our Patreon listeners who get it a whole month ahead of everybody else. And we were talking to a special guest star who is Joanna Penn. So if you're not a part of the Patreon, this would be a great time to go to rachelheron.com. Nope, that's wrong. To go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L. You can sign up at the dollar a month level and you can listen to that episode when it drops at the end of the month because it's basically The Black Heron with Joe. And we just talk, we just gab. And uh, I really thought it was a beautiful, far-ranging, deep-reaching conversation that will, of course, come out to everyone, but not until April or something. And it's only February now. So if you want to go over to patreon.com slash Rachel, and sign up so you can listen to that when it drops in about a week. Um, but more importantly, maybe go to rachelhandcom slash unstuck. Oh, I'm nervous about saying that. Ah, but there, I did it. Okay, let's talk about Helen. I'm much more comfortable talking about other people. Here we go. Uh, Helen B. Shoira is the best-selling fantasy author series, uh, author of the series, The Oromir Chronicles, Curse of the Siren Queen, and The Legends of Thesmar. Her work has been highly praised for its strong, flawed female characters and its action-packed plots. She also publishes advice for authors with her nonfiction series, which is great, Books for Career Authors. Helen's love of writing and books led her to pursue a creative writing degree and a master's of publishing. She has been a full-time author since 2018 and now lived lives amongst... I can't speak today. I'm actually nervous about that pre-launch. And now she lives amidst the mountains in New Zealand, where she is constantly dreaming up new stories. And here we go into the interview with her. Please enjoy and happy writing, my friends. Well, I am so pleased to welcome you back to the show. Will you please share your name and your pronouns with us? Yeah, sure. I'm Helen Scheurer or Helen B. Scheurer, and I am she, her. Thank you so much. You were on the show. We were just looking it up, episode number 348, and it was the title of that one. It was such an awesome show. We talked, oh, that's right. We talked about calendaring, using your calendar as a superpower. <laughs> and I love that. that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that as we're looking at you, if anybody's watching on the YouTube, um, your calendar is behind you and it looks just so beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. But we're not going to talk calendars today. Um, if people are interested in your story, how you got to where you were, please go ahead and go listen to that episode. Today, though, we are going to talk about series because you have written an amazing book called How to Launch 
a successful series. And that's under your Helen B. Shoira name. Yes. Yes, that's right. Can I just ask you, what led you to write this book about about launching series? Um, Well, basically, the first book I wrote, which was How to Write a Successful Series, the first nonfiction I wrote, um, Sasha, who you're also friends with, read it for me as a beta reader, and she basically told me that it wasn't one book. It was like three books. (laughs) And (laughs) She told you that your single book was a series. When you were yes, writing about series, correct. that's hilarious. <laughs> I know, I know. And uh, yeah, so she was like, um, you know, you should probably split this up into two or three different books. And it made so much sense as soon as she said it. Um, and also it's just the natural sort of follow on from the first book. Like once people have read that one, the next, the next, the natural question after that is what do you do after you've written a book? So mm-hmm. yeah. And it just sort of, I think lends itself well to my interests and my strengths, my strategy. I, I love all that stuff. So yeah, it was actually one of the easier books that I've written. It just sort of flowed out, which was really nice. Oh, I call those the gift books when they just flow mm. out of you and you don't have to fight every single day with them. Yeah. Can, can you tell us a little bit about your history with launching three fiction series? Is it now? Yep. Yeah. Yep, what, what, what does your history look like with that? Um, so in 2017, I launched my first book, which is book one of a trilogy. Um, and then from there, the second came out in 2018, the third came out in 2019. And then I did a, um, a prequel collection in 2020. So the first series, it came out one book a year. The next series um, was Curse of the Siren Queen. Both of these ones were epic YA fantasy. Um, and so the second series, I did two books a year. And then in 2023, I launched my first adult venture, which is romantic fantasy. And I launched two out of the four books in that series, plus a uh, a standalone that acts as a prequel. So it sort of ties in. Um, and that that's makes, sort of where we're at. <laughs> that makes my brain just real, like even just being able to say those things. And you also said the word epic in there. And epic to me always means holy crap, it's such a long book. So you're not even writing short books. Like, um, oh my goodness. Correct. What? <laughs> They're all about 120,000 words or so, I'd say. <laughs> that is why you are also a calendar queen. You have to be. <laughs> what are some of the, the common mistakes that authors make when launching a series? Or maybe what were some of your mistakes that you learned from when launching <laughs> series? Well, the fun thing about launching series is you learn a whole bunch of new mistakes every time you do it. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think the first the first series, one of my mistakes was probably not really planning, which is a weird one for me because I'm naturally I'm a planner, even without all the indie publishing stuff. I want to know what I'm doing on the weekend. I want to know what's for dinner throughout the week. Like I'm pretty um, militant with that stuff. Um But, yeah, with the first series, I think I didn't anticipate it going as well as it did. And, therefore, when it did do well, the the plan wasn't there to sort of support what I was doing. And it all worked out fine and everything. But there were definitely moments where, for me, as someone who likes planning, as someone who's an outliner, 
I hadn't outlined the series or the next book. And so when I got to book two, book three in the series, I had definitely backed myself into some corners there. And then, you know, that's the craft side of things, but the launching side of things is then you've got to move an editor around. Then you've got to, you know, move the release date or this, that and the other. And so it's sort of, I think that is stress that can potentially be avoided if you have a think about your goals and your strengths and what you can sort of align those with when you're planning the launch of a series. Um, the second series was the mistake was not managing my expectations. Oh, um, tell me more about that. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sort of this weird outlier where the first series did very well and I don't think I really understood at the time how well it did and that that was kind of an anomaly. And so then when Firstly, I did the the second series. There was essentially a year-long gap between the end of that first series with the exception of the prequel collection that I'd done, which I thought counted as a full-length novel in, like, release world, and it doesn't. (laughs) Um, But I thought I'd essentially bought myself a year of time to get ahead with this next series, put into place all these lessons that I'd learnt, and basically by the time the launch of the first one in the next series came along, I had I'd had a massive drop in income because I hadn't had a new release in a full length release in over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just expecting that book to do exactly what the first book had done in terms of finance, in terms of reception, in terms of mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, so that was a particularly difficult thing to wrap my head around as then I had to launch four books in that series and muster up, you know, not only the enthusiasm to write the story but then to promote it when it wasn't necessarily doing as well as I wanted it to um so that was that was quite hard and I'm I'm trying now to manage expectations in a much more healthy way um well let me if you don't mind going a little bit deeper into that because I, I find that um compelling and real and honest and you know you said you found that difficult to manage emotions you know we're always talking about emotional management in writing how did you, like, how did you enter book? I, I'm, I'm guessing, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing that by book three is when you were like, oh, no, what am I doing? Because now book one has launched. Maybe book two is getting launched. You're writing book three. How did you How did you show up at the page every day and continue going? Oh, I. it's a hard one because, A, it was quite a while ago now, um, and you tend to sort of yeah. <laughs> compartmentalize like right? that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think... I think I always loved the story itself, so that helped. Yeah. And I truly believed that the series itself was much better on a craft level, was much better on like like this deeper level than the first series was because I had learnt so much just on a craft, you know, sort of level to then develop. And I was excited to put those lessons into play into this new series. And the the thing was with that series, like while financially it wasn't, you know, this superstar, the people who did read it, the small group of people that did read it really loved it and were really vocal, like in my inbox telling me this got me through a really hard time this you know I've been waiting for this and I've taken a day off work to read it you know all that sort of stuff so I think on those darker days where I was like maybe I should think about getting a job (laughs) I would look at those nice messages and those emails and just like it's like that um 
that thing from Finding Nemo, like just keep swimming, just, just keep, keep swimming. swimming. Yes. Yeah. I, and and that's that was there's not much more magic to it. That was just sort of it. <laughs> but that is but that's huge magic because I'm 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 exactly the same way. I always I've had books that do really well, and then I've had books that absolutely like they don't even flatline. They like flatline and then dip. Not sure how that mm. is possible. But as long <laughs> as I as long as every book I write is better than the one before, and that's on my totally subjective gaze. It it, yeah. it matters to me what I think about it and how much I love it. Um then if it's if the sales are devastating, it hurts so much less. Like the the last traditionally published book that I published um just has sold fewer copies than anything ever. And I don't care because it is my best book that has been published so far. And I love it. Would I love to make more money on it? Yes. But if I had done something like um chase a trend that I didn't love. Yeah. And then be backed into a corner of writing more books in a series I I didn't care for and not be making money. I think that's probably, I don't know how people continue doing that. And in fact, I think mm. they probably usually don't. So yeah, huge absolutely. tip to love what you're doing and, and, and <laughs> re re fall in love with these. Um, let's see. So along these lines, as you have been uh, thinking about series and launching, what strategies have you used to drive sales of your fiction series? Um, so it's changed each series, and I think I've tried something new with each series. So oh. the first series I learned, I, and also just like a disclaimer, the first series came out like six years ago, the first book or so, um, and that was a very different time. So what worked then probably yeah. doesn't work now. Um but that first series, I live launched each book at 99 cents and kept it on sale for like a week before raising the price. I didn't do pre-orders. Um, so that was sort of like the pricing strategy. I did a huge outreach marketing like push where I emailed hundreds back then of bloggers who were doing like similar stuff to what we see on Bookstagram now, but it was blogs. Um and I did interviews, I did guest posts, I did, I don't know, like character interviews and stuff for people on their blogs. Um, so that was a massive push and that was, yeah, that and that was very effective back then. Um, and I did sales throughout the course of the series lifespan. So like when, you know, book two came out, book one went back on sale. Um, when they were all out, I did like a big sale of them all together, like things mm -hmm. like that. Um, with the second series, I opted to launch at full price um, just because it had been so long since the previous release and the strategies that I was seeing online had changed quite a lot. Um, and I did, I think, a shorter pre-order for that first book. So I think maybe it was on pre-order for two, three weeks just so I could have the link and schedule everything. Mm -hmm. um, and then I did pre-order chaining. So at the back of the, the book that just came out, I would link to the book that was coming out in future. Um, and that was really effective on a small scale, just because the success of that series was small scale, small scale. Um, but that I took into the new series that I'm doing now and it's been very successful on a much bigger scale. Um, awesome. and so now I'm, yeah. So now I'm launching at full price. I haven't done any sales on the current series just because I haven't actually needed to, which is been really nice um, and I'm still doing that pre-order linking at the back of the books um, with each new series I tend to do a like a free prequel story just like a short story or novella 
to get people on my mailing list to explain like something minor in the book so you don't have to have read this story but it's kind of a hook if you have um and that's been very effective so those are some of the things that I've experimented with in the last yeah about six years I think with each series um and it's it's kind of trial and error with each one like what works for one might work not work for another or something that has worked doesn't work you know so you just sort of play around with it and that's also the beauty of of series like with each launch you're breathing life back into the the funnel of the series and you get to try new things along the way, which is fun. Keeps it fresh. You're breathing life into it and you're remembering what you loved about it. And I really like that idea of offering a short story or something for each book rather than, I see it a lot for series, of course, but you mean you would have like a little something, a little something to give them for it's, each book? That would, that would be so cool. So it's, it's changed. So for... For the Oramin Chronicles, which was my first series, I did three short stories before the first book came out. Mm. Between the release of each book in the in the main series, I did three more short stories because there was wow. a year long yeah. gap between releases, and so it just kept that audience warm. I think, and then I was able to repurpose all those stories, put them in a prequel collection, um, and sell that. With um, Curse of the Siren Queen, I wrote three prequel novelettes, I suppose. They're not quite novellas, um, and released them all before the main series came out as, like, a a lead magnet. That was really effective. Um, With this new series, I did one prequel short story that introduced us to the the heroine of the series. Um, And then instead of doing prequel stories in between each book's what I've done is taken a steamy scene from each book that, you know, that's just released and then flipped the point of view. So oh, if it was yes. from the the heroine's point of view in the book, then if you sign up to get the newsletter, you get the flipped perspective of that steamy scene from the hero's perspective. Um, and that's been very popular. So it's just like these little things to to keep people's appetites going while they're waiting for the next book. I think that is such a smart one, the, the flipped steamy scene, because it's titillating. It is grabbing. People want it. And also it's easy to write because yes. you've already blocked it. And the dialogue is already set. All you're doing mm-hmm. is going internally to see how that person is being mm-hmm. affected by this encounter. It's so, so flipping smart. All yeah, right. And so, it's fun too, like to, yeah. to do it. Just low effort, high yield, fun. <laughs> and everybody likes it. We like it. They like it. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. I'm going to, I'm going to try to remember that one. Um, so taking it a little bit of a different direction, are in-person launches worth it? We've been talking about like, you know, the, the virtual kind of launching are in-person launches worth it. So I've done like a range of different ones. So when I I first started, I did massive in-person launches at a pretty popular bookstore in, in Sydney. And there were about a hundred, 120 people per book launch. Um, I spent quite a lot of money on, you know, drinks and food and, um, you know, making it really nice for everybody. Um, They were a lot of effort. I wouldn't say that they were financially rewarding. Like I, I might have covered costs, if not just missed out on covering costs. But what they did back then anyway was lend a sort of sense of social proof to the Mm. whole book, to the whole like sort of – because also that was 2017, 2018, 2019 – 
particularly with the first launch when I told people I was going indie, it was still a bit like, oh, it's not, you know, you're not really publishing. And as soon as people saw, you know, my book in the window of a very like nice bookstore, as soon as they saw the photos from the event, as soon as they saw the invitation, blah, 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 like it ended, it lended this sort of social proof. And also it generated so much content for me to use after the book had come out, the photos from the event, people talking about the event, people sharing their own photos, um, all that sort of stuff was really good. And also the bookstore, because I had the event at their store, then promoted the book and promoted the event. So there was a lot of um, sort of intangible, like stuff that you can't really measure in terms of like sales, but they were really good just for general promotion, general buzz. And also, you know, from like a personal side of things, like you actually get to celebrate your book launch and it like you have a party and it's quite fun and it's this milestone. Whereas I've sort of changed things now. Like I just sit at home when I launch a book, there's nothing really special going on. Maybe I do an Instagram live, but usually it's me and my partner. We get pizza and a bottle of wine and that's it. (laughs) So it's very low key. Um, I have also done like a smaller in-person event where um, the local writer's centre put on like a Q&A thing and it was just me and one other woman interviewing me at the front. There was maybe like 30 people or so and that was a lot more intimate. I did a signing and that sort of stuff. I guess in terms of in-person events, it's really about what your goals are. If it's to you know, make a load of money, then I think you need to do research in terms of, you know, the venue that you're at, what sort of percentage are they going to be taking and what are they going to be offering in return in terms of like staff, in terms of what the venue's like, that sort of stuff. Um, But if it's to celebrate, if it's to get the word out, if it's to generate buzz and content for you to reuse and I reuse pictures from that launch from 2017 even now. Um, So like there are all these sort of unforeseen benefits. Um, I don't think I've ever like made a shitload of money from an in-person event and that's very different to a lot of other people. Like they might go to um, like conventions and stuff and sell merch and all that, you know, um, extra extra stuff. But for me it was more about the celebration and generating that excitement and buzz that then carried through and it probably did then result in sales, but not necessarily sales I can, can track. Like maybe someone yeah. saw the party or saw the book in the shop window, but then went and bought it online or read it yeah. in KU, you know? So, yeah. You have single-handedly converted me back to the belief I will do a launch for my next book because I cannot tell you how much I hate them. I hate them with every fiber of my being <laughs> because I get so – I get devastatingly nervous beforehand to the point where I'm usually sick. And then I'm usually sick the day leading up and then a migraine the day after um, because the celebration part does not work for me. I, I am, I'm a proud little tall poppy. Like I, I, I'm very proud of myself, but please don't look at me. Don't talk to me about my (laughs) accomplishments, but the idea of using it for content generation is smashing. Like that is Mm -hmm. the smartest best reason to do it. And that gives me an actual reason to do it. I'm good at social media. I'm good at connection. I can usually get 50 to 120 people at a launch. I always have been able to, and I'm, mm. I'm, I'm lucky about that. 
and I've hated them so much, but I never had a reason to do it. And I swore that the last one I did would be the last one ever. But um, you have just changed my mind because you're right. The social proof and the so and not even if I don't enjoy the celebration part of it, the people who care about me and care about my books and my readers, they care about the celebration. They want to see the celebration. Yeah, absolutely. I want to see that yeah. from my writer friends and writers I don't know. I want to see them at their party holding up their book with that cheesy big grin on their face. <laughs> Wow, I did not, ex I really, really, when I asked our in-person lunch is worth it, I was 100% sure you were going to say, nah, don't do them. They're, they're, they're a waste of time. <laughs> wow. Okay. I regret and it's, I'm also very funny glad. <laughs> well, it's funny because like I don't actually do that sort of huge event now. I just don't have the capacity for it. But it's also because I'm releasing three fiction books a year. Yeah. And yeah. the the sort of especially like as a I'm an introvert and an event me like too. that it takes it takes a lot out of me yes. and after every one of those big ones I, I had to like go into my cave for like yes. two weeks after <laughs> so yeah it depends like what sort of person you are as well and also how many you're intending to do because you've got to conserve that energy for actually writing <laughs> speaking of conservation of energy can you tell us a little bit about oh let's go into a little calendaring now because you know I love it um <laughs> How do you personally, I know this is different for everybody, but how do you uh, move your time around between creation of the words and managing publication, managing launches? Yeah, that's something I find very difficult because, well, firstly, my number one strength is focus. And so wow. I really great. struggle. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really struggle to do more than one thing at once and not mm. just like, you know, okay, one day for this one day, I'm going to write. It's like for these four weeks, I'm going to write and not <laughs> do anything else. And so the admin just tends to build and build and build. And especially like right now, I'm in the middle of drafting the next, a, a new series starter. So that's already like more sort of work to me than a book two or a book three, because I'm still world building. I'm still figuring mm -hmm. stuff out. Um, but I'm drafting and in less than a month, the third book in my current series comes out. And so, for example, today I had my ARCs go out. I had my street team email go out. I had everybody joining Discord. I've had notifications going off on Instagram because everybody's got their ARCs and everybody's really excited, which is wonderful. But it's like really messing with my like focus tunnel of I am just here to get the words down. And so in an ideal world, how I would do it is, just batch everything. So for these four weeks, I draft. Mm -hmm. For the next two weeks, I edit. Then I send it off to my beta readers. And while they've got it, I either outline the next book or I give myself an entire week for marketing and admin to catch up on everything that I missed in the last like six weeks or whatever it was. Um, that has worked pretty well for me in the past. What I am finding currently is champagne problems. Like I'm doing quite well. <laughs> And so the sort of problem of scale, like once you start doing well, it all sort of starts to snowball and the admin that was once manageable is now 10 times as much. And the yeah. like, and it's not as easy to wait six weeks to handle things and it just sort of starts creeping into the periphery. Um, so, yeah, I don't have an answer for you, really. I just um, <laughs> I'm, at the I'm moment, actually I'm makes I'm relieved the <laughs> at the moment. I'm sorry, I cut you off. What do you do? Oh, just on the moment, uh, at the moment, I'm working on the weekends a lot like that. Oh. It's unfortunately creeping into, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to mess with my Monday to Friday writing. So 
guess what I'm doing on the weekend. I'm replying to emails, scheduling social media, that sort of stuff, which and I know it's not sustainable. I can feel it coming. I can feel that burn. But right now I don't know how else to manage it. So yeah, we're just going to keep swimming. <laughs> okay. That, that, that does make me feel better though. That is a little bit of a relief that you don't have this the magic, the magic bullet for it. Unfortunately <laughs> not. No. <laughs> All right. So um, last question for this. What do you personally love about launching in series? I think we touched on it earlier. The fact that sort of when you're launching the later books in the series, you essentially breathe new life back into the the series as a whole. Mm -hmm. And I have seen that in a very like clear way with the current series that I'm working on. The first book came out in February 2023, so just under a year ago. And it has been a really, really strong seller since since then. Um, Where it has really gone like gangbusters was the second book came out in September and the whole thing just lifted again. Mm. And it's, it's just been so strong ever since. And that's only the second book. There's still book three and book four to come. And I'm, I'm sort of hoping like from what I've seen with my previous series, depending on the scale, every time a new book in the series comes out, the whole, the whole thing gets lifted. And that's so refreshing to see that, you know, even though you're not releasing a standalone and you're trying to find a new audience, the promotion of that second, third, fourth book, people will see it and go, oh, what's that? That looks interesting. And then they'll go and start book one. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So that's, it's really um, motivating to see, particularly, you know, you might be in the midst of writing something really hard, but you can see it doing the job, which is good. That is lovely. I am so pleased to see your success in not only doing the fiction series, but helping other writers write the series. And this book is called How to Launch a Successful Series. So thank you so much for being on the show. Where can we find you and all of the things? Um, well, firstly, thank you so much for having me on again. I always love talking to you. Um, I listen to a podcast pretty uh, much every week. Um, and we're not we're not far so, apart. Yeah. You're just you're down on the South Island. I'm up I'm up here on the bottom yeah. of the north. So I was going to ask you actually if you're going to the New Zealand romance writers. I am. Are oh, you go- amazing! I are think you going- I am too. Yeah, Great. yeah. It's going to be such <laughs> a party this year because uh, you've heard that the Sasha Black is going to be in the country. Mm-hmm. It's going to yep. turn the turn the country upside down. Yeah, I'll be there. Exactly. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, where people can find me, uh, helenshore.com is the best place. And up in the menu, there's like a, a section for authors, which will have like all the information you need. Um, and the nonfiction books are available wide. My fiction books, if you're into young adult fantasy or epic romantic fantasy for adults, they're on Amazon in KU. So, yeah, that's that's about it. Perfect. Thank you so much, Helen, for being here again. And I look forward to seeing you later this year. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Ink in Your Veins. You can reach me at my website, rachelheron.com. And you can also support me at patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, where I have all sorts of great stuff for writers for as little as a buck a month. And do sign up for my free writer's email list of encouragement at rachelheron.com slash write. Now, get to writing, my friends.